on this episode of Why Watch That. Well, explain to me why you left your ex-husband with the kids with no warning. Do I want to hear that explanation? No. <laughs> Unless the cartel came and got you. Like, look, if you fell into a narco situation, then tell me. <laughs> know what their relationship is like but they have a lot in their head that they want to get out on the screen <laughs> i remember the critical reaction they didn't really like it and i was kind of like why not as a kid i didn't get it <laughs> so i haven't seen it since i was a child so i said let me start watching it again <laughs> even Leslie's character herself she comes to find because her sister was talking to him and the sister told him stuff he put in the book so she's like this is my family in the book now this daughter is a teenager here we go again a teenager but mm -hmm. By the end of this season, she might want to rethink her attitude. What's <laughs> coming for her? I was like, well, okay. <laughs> the slow horses essentially are the agents who have done something wrong. Okay. Like they've gone to HR. HR has sent them to Slough House. Welcome to Why Watch That, your guide the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. We're on a quest to go from channel to channel, platform to platform, and festival to festival to help you figure out what you want to watch. We do all the work so you don't have to. So get ready for some unexpectedly candid and entertaining reviews that will help you answer the ultimate question, why watch that? Welcome to another episode of Why Watch That, where we help you to find things that you'll love to watch and the myriad Maybe. of <laughs> content that exists. <laughs> I am Brandy, the producer, joined by... Chauncey, the critic, of course. <laughs> yes, indeed. And we are excited to be back. Now, well, where we are... Yeah. We did have a week off, didn't we? We did. Yeah. You know, holidays and all that good stuff. Um, we hope you guys had an amazing Turkey Day or Giving Thanks Day. Everybody calls it something different, but we hope you had that appreciated that time off to hang out with your fam and friends and eat some yummy delights. So, um, if, you, if you don't, if you don't know, you can catch Why Watch That at our website, which is whywatchthat.com, on YouTube, on um, all of the podcast platforms. So that's how you how you catch the. So I watch that train. So let's get in on today's episode. Today we are going to stay in one lane. There's no mixed bag on the um on the agenda, and we're going to stay in the TV space. And we're yes. kicking it off with TV series premieres. The first one up for grabs is Hulu's Fleischman is in trouble. Um, yeah, I actually saw that when I turned the TV on. Um, this. <laughs> This weekend as one of the preview shows. So, uh, critic, who's in it? What is it about? Who should be watching? What do you mean you saw it? You mean you saw the show and you saw it advertised? 
I saw the advertisement for it. On Hulu, yeah. Mm-hmm. While you went to watch, who knows, some sort of dance competition with, you know, <laughs> grown people yelling and... <laughs> I actually anyway. caught up on Shark Tank, okay? <laughs> oh, okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, right. Don't believe that, everybody. No. <laughs> Fleischman is in trouble. So uh, this is created by uh, Taffy Brodesser Ackner, who also wrote the book. It's based on, it stars Jesse Eisenberg, Lizzie Kaplan, Claire Danes, Adam Brody. You go, oh, wow, look at this cast. Mm-hmm. A lot of people saw this cast, and I think their heads exploded. Mine stayed intact. But I do like the cast. And the first two episodes premiered. That's what I've seen as of this recording. So. It reminded me a bit producer of like little children you get this voiceover but the voiceover in this show is a character we find out who it is i won't give that away why not why not we don't spoil here and why watch that and the setting is the upper east side of manhattan so i'm kind of like okay (laughs) like uh, i lived in new york city for many years (laughs) it's like here we go i know these people so we are focused on the Fleischmans, of course. And Jesse Eisenberg plays the husband and father, Toby. Claire Danes plays his wife, Rachel. And now ex-wife, we come to find out. Oh. So they're 40-somethings. You know, Toby's been out of the dating market for how long? He's now in this dating market, in this environment. He's like, oh, I didn't know it was like this. I didn't know I could find so many women who were actually interested in me. Interesting. Now, Toby is accomplished. He's a doctor, a specialist. You know, he trains other doctors. But according to what we see from his perspective, his wife was kind of like, whatever. I don't care that you're a doctor. That's not enough for me. Now, she is a talent agent. She runs her own firm. You know, she wants to push him to make millions instead of hundreds of thousands. Oh, my gosh. So that they can live the lifestyle that she always wanted to live. And they do have two kids. Uh, Their older daughter is 11, and she is basically a teenager. I'm so sick of sight. I'm just sick of these teenagers in these shows. I'm tired of looking at them. I am. I'm over it. I'm tired of all these teenagers. Almost all. Like, they're all written the same way. Do these writers go to the same place and, like, write all of their shows together and just put a different title on it? It is ridiculous. Sick and tired of these sourpuss children. So that's their daughter. And the son, and it's it's so cliche. It's always the daughter's annoying. And then the son is like younger and not really hip with what's going on. You know, he's he's all into science and golf and being in that world. He doesn't really register other things. It's like, I, I could predict this before it even shows up. They have a son and a daughter. I go, okay, the daughter's going to be an annoying t- teenager. The son's going to be younger and kind of oblivious. I'm going to start writing some scripts. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The title will be The Critic is in Trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, with that tangent. But also, there is a wrinkle with the son. He is a curious sort, but when it comes to sex, and you'll see how they use this, he's kind of, well, he is disturbed by it. Why? What's going on with that? I don't know. So that's the home life, essentially. Obviously, it's not going well. But 
Mr. Fleischman, maybe he's coming into his own now. I mean, hey, you make 300K, somebody might like you. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows nowadays? You ask some people and they throw out all kinds of crazy numbers that people should be making per year. They don't know anything about money. Anyway, so the thing about Fleischman is while he's a responsible person, he's really unaware of the world around him. He's got to learn it. And to help him do so, he has two friends, one of whom is played by Lizzie Kaplan. Libby is her name. She's happily married, but she's kind of like, should I be? It's an interesting kind of thing she's going through. She's like, I don't want to be divorced or anything. I love my husband. I love being married. But is there more to my life? Because she's essentially, you know, taking care of the home, all that. Is there more out there? Some people just like to take care of the home. Some people do. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with it. But, you know, what's going to happen with her? And there's also Adam Brody's character. Of course, he's the other friend, Seth. And Seth ain't about nothing but getting out there and having fun. That's really what he's about. Let's, you know, let's smoke some stuff and drink and, you know, have sex and whatever else he wants to do. Now, when it comes to Mrs. Fleischman, uh, formerly, she is cynical. She's self-aware. She's self-centered. She's very much into what's going on in their uh, locale. So this is maybe the reason why she wanted to get out of there. And what happens is one day she disappears. She's supposed to pick up the kids. No plus. No more. She ain't there. Where is she? She won't pick up the phone. Did somebody kidnap this woman? Is she just ghosts her family? Why? The daughter's very upset. Where's mom? You know, she hates dad, but where's mom? That whole kind of thing, because mom is such a ray of sunshine. And, you know, so the question is for Mr. Fleischman. Is he going to get down to the bottom of where she is? Because this causes problems with, you know, the nanny and all other kinds of things. Or will he just be like, okay, you know he's not going to be like that. And according to the description, it's this whole thing where he has to really get to understand his wife a little more to understand what happened to their uh, marriage, you know, things he missed, all of this. I'm going to tell you this. Unless, like, the cartel comes and gets you, if you leave your kids with your spouse or ex-spouse without warning, I don't really care what your story is. I'm not interested at all. Don't care. And when it comes to this locale, I'm not really interested in them either. I know who they are. Now, when it comes to the execution, I think the show is executed uh, well, actually. I think it has good pace. I think uh, that the actors, of course, are good. I have some issues with the storytelling for me. Now, I think that if you like adult dramas, everybody, that are kind of satirical, then you can check this out. If you want to see them kind of skewer rich people on the Upper East Side, just check it out. You'll know whether it clicks for you or not. It is polished, though. I will give them that. It's just very smooth. I did appreciate all of that. They do cap capture that culture, I think, fairly well. Again, I just don't care about them at all. Don't care whatsoever. I, you know what? I wanted, going back to Little Children, producer, which I know you enjoyed, I wanted it to be more like that, where Little Children is exploring suburbia. You know, this is, of course, in a city, but I wanted it to be sharper and it's skewering like that movie or like uh, Woody Allen in his prime. 
that kind of thing. And Woody Allen was dealing with this same kind of locale, different time period. But it was just sharper. They need to be sharper. They, the humor needs to be sharper. It's just a bit soft to me. But they don't know it is. Hmm. Yeah, like really go there. So I, I wouldn't call it bad. I just, it didn't get me to care. Is what I would say in the first two episodes. Yeah. So do you think you're going to continue or you think no. you're going to? No. Because okay. I don't care. Yeah. And, and like I've looked into what the book was about. You, you will get, I presume, um, Claire Dane's perspective, the wife's character, all of that. I don't care. <laughs> you have nothing to say to me that I'm going to be interested in. I don't care. Unless he's completely lying. And if he's a completely lying producer, guess what? I don't care. <laughs> like it doesn't work either way. It doesn't matter if he's lying. Then you you're wasting my time because the lying isn't that good to warrant it. If he's not, and then I'm going to get a different perspective. Okay, well, explain to me why you left your ex husband with the kids with no warning. Do I want to hear that explanation? No. <laughs> Unless the cartel came and got you. Like, look, if you fell into a narco situation, then tell me. <laughs> But again, I, I think they will have an audience. This is just me. You know, we are here to tell our perspective to help other people. You ain't got to agree. There are going to be people who be like, oh, I'm all into this. Fine. I'll watch Little Children again. Got it. All right. I'm well, trying let's to cool see. off. Oh, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> good little children. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's see if uh, Peacock will get the critic to care. With the next show it up won't. for grabs. <laughs> <laughs> Leopard Nine, skin. producer. Nine. <laughs> Nine. <will> <laughs> All right. Well, at least That's you can tell who's there. in See it. That? <laughs> yes. <laughs> who's in it? Who should be watching? <laughs> and who should care? Because you said you know. Uh, if the people who should care are people who just want off the wall, crazy stories where you go, I don't care if there's any logic. Mm. Now, this is no surprise because of who it comes from. Uh, Carla Gugino is starring in it, but uh, her partner, he's the creator of it. And together they did Jet, which was on Cinemax a few years ago. Same kind of thing. They just really, they just throw, you know, pass on the wall to see if it sticks. That's the kind of thing with everything, visuals and and writing and all of that. So... Uh, it is created by uh, Sebastian Gutierrez. And, you know, he does the writing and the show running and it's that kind of thing. I, you know, I don't know what their relationship is like, but they have a lot in their head that they want to get out on the screen. <laughs> now, along with Carla is Ana de la Reguera, uh, Gaite uh, Janssen, I guess is how you say it, Amelia Eve, Gentry White, Nora Arnazader, uh, Margot Bingham, and Philip Winchester, along with Mr. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yes, Negan himself is in here. And is he a villain? Yeah, pretty much. So here's what happens. There really are two storylines that collide from the beginning, essentially. So we have uh, Carla's character, and her character's name is Alba. Uh, Alba is the first wife and ex-wife of this dude named Archie, who's a wealthy man. And, you know, they live on the beach uh, by, you know, the ocean. Um, 
that kind of thing. I think they're in Mexico. I, you know, I'm going off of memory, something like that. So he now has an, a second wife. Batty is her nickname. Is that an appropriate nickname? Mm. And at the opening, the two of these women are in the house together. What's happening? Supposedly doing something, researching something about Archie, who was this man, because Alba is a documentarian. Are they going to tell his story? How are they getting along? What in the world is going on? You know, Batty is younger. She seems innocent, unaware, but is she really? What's she up to and what has she done because Archie is dead? Why? Now, they say it was natural causes, essentially, a heart attack, something like that. Or was there foul play? Now, for Alba, bad things happen around her, but never to her. What's that about? And she has visions. But she can't always interpret them. See what I'm saying? Like, already you go, why is all of this in the show? So with that setup, there is another documentarian who wants to come in and tell the story of Archie and these two women. Because he's like, how are you two in this house together? What is going on here? And that's Philip's character, Max. So, okay. Max also has a girlfriend uh, who's played by Amelia Morrow, or however you say her name, I don't remember. So, you know, she's kind of a free spirit, you know, likes to drink. And he's like, look, we need to get in there and get out. Don't get drunk. I need to get this done so I can get this movie made. Because I got a story that I'm going to tell, whether they know it or not. So they're supposed to come over to the house in order to have dinner, and he's supposed to pitch them. Okay. Now, in the middle of that, as they're coming to the house, and there's no reception, okay, by the way, three uh, robbers infiltrate their home. They were on a heist stealing these uh, expensive gems. And the three of them are, let's see, Fausto and Sierra and Clover. So that's Gentry, Nora, and Margot's characters. And they were hired to do this heist by Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character, LaSalle, who is a judge. Okay. So something happened during the heist. They got the gems, but it didn't go as planned. One of them has been shot. So that's why they're at this home and they want to take over. And, you know, uh, when it comes to what's going on with Alba and Batty, they're like, okay, who's coming here? They're like, well, we have dinner guests. Call them, tell them not to come. We can't call them. We don't have reception. So, of course, you know, the two of them arrive. How do they explain these heisties or heisters? Well, when it comes to Fausto, they pretend like he's the butler or something, to his surprise. Now, it's kind of funny because, you know, he's a black dude. You call him the butler. It's like that, that kind of thing. There's a joke in there somewhere. So they have to, you know, play this off. Can they do that? And in the end, how do all of these people mix? You know it's going to end up with somebody getting shot and, you know, who's going to survive. And everybody eventually finds out who everyone is and what's going on with the judge. And so on. How did he convince these three to do this heist? Are they going to get paid? Is somebody going to make off with the gems? You know, that whole thing with the visions and everything else. This sounds like just a lot going on. 
And I didn't happened. get to the half of it because there's a housekeeper <laughs> in Essentia I didn't mention who's played by Anna. She pops up. Why? What was her relationship with Archie? Like, now, I mentioned Jet on Cinemax from Sebastian and Carla. Uh, some similarities. The color red looms large. <laughs> they like to use that palette. Uh, the camera work is varied and the images, and they love to entertain via the occasional use of sex. Like, just to have it. Why not? That's them. I would say in comparison to Jet, this is a bit more consistent, but less potent, is how I would put it. Like, Jet, I'm still thinking about, even though it was flawed. I'm still like, okay, that's in my head. This one, mm, it's completely unbelievable. Nothing here makes any sense. Some of the dialogue is like something you'd read in a novel, literally. And not all of these actors get it in their mouths. Mm -mm. I was like, well, you sound like you're reading a script. No, it's nonsensical. It's unnecessary. But is it fun? Depends on who you are. I wouldn't call it boring at all. It does peter out at the end. I just thought it was a bit silly, even though it's mostly on purpose. And that didn't make the ending any more satisfying to me. Uh, of this first season. Now, you know, they could have a second. The one good thing, though, on top of all of that is each episode is about a half hour. So that's why I finished it. Just roll through it if you find any of this interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, next up from Leopard Disney. Skin. Leopard. Yeah, this is just, just listening to it, I'm overwhelmed. So I know I won't be tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some people who wear some leopard print. Leopards. I won't tell you oh. how. It's like, okay. Oh, interesting. All right, Peacock, thanks. Um, now, Disney Plus is bringing us uh, Willow. And yes, we're talking about Willow, that uh, 1988 movie that came out. And um, this is a TV series inspired mm -hmm. by it. So, yeah. Who's yep. in it? What is it about? Who should be watching? Did they do the movie justice? Well, it is a sequel as well. Keep that in mind. Like doing the movie justice is an interesting question. Because let me tell you before I get into this, to be responsible, because I haven't seen Willow since I was a kid. And I liked Willow a lot when I was a kid. I really did. I remember the critical reaction. They didn't really like it. And I was kind of like, why not as a kid? I didn't get it. <laughs> so I haven't seen it since I was a child. So I said, let me start watching it again. <laughs> <laughs> now you're clear on the, <laughs> the adult's perspective. <laughs> Look, I was like a whole bunch of 80s movies just started flooding my mind. Like it is a pastiche of the fantasy uh, genre. That's what it is. I was like, okay, Lord of the Rings, even though that's not 80s necessarily. But we had the cartoons from the 70s. You have the book. I was like, Lord of the Rings and the never-ending story. I was thinking about Ewoks. I mean, George Lucas did come up with the idea for this. That was Return of the Jedi. And that was released five years before this. Uh, the never-ending story was four years before the movie. Conan the Destroyer was... Uh, four years before it as well. There's Legend with Tom Cruise three years before this. The Princess Bride and Masters of the Universe one year before this. Like, I was just thinking of all of these things, like, you know. And the issue with the movie is it 
it's just not compelling. And the question is, is, is it fun? It's silly, is what I would call it. It's just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing more I can say. I didn't hate it. I was just like, okay, this is a big old mess. Um, And then it's even, uh, you think about the Bible and, and other stories where, you know, you have this baby that, the Moses story in the Bible, you have this baby who, you know, this prophecy to tumble this, you know, horrible leader and they got to kill the baby before the prophecy comes true. Willow, from before the Bible to the Bible to uh, Harry Potter. I mean, it's everywhere. That kind of story. Nothing there was new. Okay, and I'm talking about the time frame of 1988. But they kind of knew what they were doing. It's again like the Conan movies and Red Sonja and that kind of thing. Now, they don't have as much of a wink in Willow, but, you know, I was like, okay, fine. It, you know, it is of its time. So what about this show now that I have that preamble? Uh, so we, this is developed by Jonathan Kasdan. Uh, Warwick Davis is back as the titular character, Mr. Willow of Good himself. We have uh, Ruby Cruz, Aaron Kellyman, uh, Ellie Bomber, uh, a bunch of like teenage-ish characters. They, they're more like in their 20s, I think, the actors, but I think the characters are teens. I was not quite clear on that. I don't, I didn't care. Um, we also have Tony Revolori, another teen here. Um, and we have other new additions here. Amar Chata Patel, Dempsey Brick, uh, who's another teen. And then also from the movie is Joanne Wally, also playing, you know, her character from the movie along with Warwick. So she is now the queen. She was the daughter of the evil sorceress queen in the movie. And now she's the queen herself. And this is what happens because they released the first two episodes and that's what I've watched. So the queen has two children, the prince and princess. They are um, twins. And there is a neighboring land where, you know, they need an alliance so they don't fight each other, essentially. So what she says is, hey, daughter, you need to marry the prince from this land. That's just what's going to happen. Now, the daughter has a friend who's more than a friend. And maybe that's going to be upsetting, right? Now, this friend uh, is going to train to be a knight. Now, she's female. This has never happened before. Oh, ooh, wow. So she gets to be a knight. And how is the princess going to receive this? Not too well, of course, because they're teenagers. Now, the princess and her friend, you know, they like spar and fight and prepare. Her brother, the prince, he's off, you know, betting women. I mean, that's just what's happening here. And the one he's interested in now is a kitchen maid. Hmm. Now, she thinks they're in love and this is real. What does he think? So, okay, this neighboring land, the king comes with his son and their retinue and you know, they have the feast. We've seen this whole kind of thing before, right before the wedding happens. But, and I'll just say it because they give it away themselves. The prince gets kidnapped. Guess we can't have a wedding then. 
Gotta find the prince. Who kidnapped him? Well, they look like creatures. They look like a blend of, here's how I put it. They're Hellraiser orc witches. <laughs> like one of them literally had like a cage over his head. I was like, what am I watching? Where did this come from? <laughs> Nothing like okay. that was in the movie. I was like, all right. <laughs> and you know, you can't really fight a producer because they'll disappear. Like you try to punch, they'll disappear, reappear, reanimate. So they came for this prince. Why? I, you know, they got to get him back. Who's going to go? Of course, the princess is going to go. Even her mother agrees. Yes, you go. Of course, her girlfriend, the knight-to-be, is going to go. Uh, and of course, the kitchen maid is going to go whether they want her to or not. You know, it's <laughs> always somebody who pops up on these expeditions. You're like, why are you here? Why are you here? here? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Now, in addition, if we're thinking of Willow and Val Kimmler's character, unfortunately, Val has had health issues. He couldn't be a part of the show they wanted him to be. And he is the father of the Prince of Princess. So he married the queen and that whole kind of thing. If you see the movie, if you've seen it, then you understand what that means. But in the show, he's gone missing. Why? Is he a deadbeat dad? Or is there something else going on? You know there's something else going on. And they go, if they have a second season, they'd like to bring him in if they can. That whole kind of thing. Okay. So his character is off screen, out there somewhere. They don't know where. So. Instead of him, since we couldn't have Val, we do have a character who's similar to his character from the movie, and that is Borman. And Borman is a thief. He's locked up. They let him out because he's traveled the lands. Maybe he can guide them. Very similar to Val's character from the movie. And I think he was one of the bright spots, to be honest. However, I think they started something in the first episode with him that they didn't continue in the second. I think they didn't use him as well in the second episode. I just found him both irreverent and sober about their chances, which is more of what I think the show should be overall. Because the issue here is, who is this for? Why am I watching this? What do you want to accomplish? What am I supposed to receive from this? Is this a comedy? Is it just a straight up fantasy drama? I'm not quite clear. It's a mess. And, and when it comes to Willow himself, we don't see him until the end of the first episode. I was like, where's Willow? I don't care about these teens, their relationships. They all to me are boring. Like, let me say it this way. Okay. So we have, you know, this whole thing between. Uh, the princess and her friend and, you know, okay, so is this some sort of lesbian relationship they're doing? If you're going to do that, in the spirit of Willow, because this has nothing to do with the movie, okay, the romance from the movie is Val Kilmer sees Joanne's character and he's got to have her. It's that kind of thing. So it's like a first meeting. They've been friends for so long. There is no discovery here. Why couldn't it be that the knight-to-be, she is from the other land. She comes with the prince. The princess is supposed to marry this prince, but sees her. Like, that. already it's more interesting, if you're going to do this. And then it would be something like the movie. And you can be inclusive in everything else everybody wants to be. Everybody wants to be inclusive, but they don't want to include good writing. Let's include good writing in our inclusivity. <laughs> now... 
The other thing is, if you're going to do this, you could do something like the bastard son and the devil himself. Just go all the way. And I'm still like, okay. <laughs> Y'all went all the way with that. This is just kind of like, okay, you're just doing it to get some points from certain people who care about inclusion. That's what it felt like. It's like a token inclusion to me based on the first two episodes. Now, they may do something after that, but you released the first two episodes. Why? Right? Now, coming back to should we take this seriously? Are we laughing? If you're going to include humor along with serious stuff, you've got to be good at it. From what I've seen, they're not. Like, the, the humor is weird. It comes, like, why are, why are you throwing this comedic line in here now? Like, it's almost tone deaf. I'll give you an example. The prince that the princess is supposed to marry. Here's what he says. Quote, wait, you think we're going to die? Wish someone told me. I'm really scared of dying. That and communal bathing. People wrote this. Is this <laughs> what we've succumbed to? And what? some of these critics are like, oh, it's a fantasy miracle. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, it sure is. And see, and then they, like, Netflix had The Letter for the King, which is another fantasy teen drama based on um, a beloved book. And a lot of critics were very harsh on that. I thought too harsh. How are you going to like this and criticize that? It don't make sense. Talking about the plotting, the, uh, the plotting, uh, pacing, and all other kinds of stuff and how it didn't do the book justice. But you like this? I mean, this is not terrible. But it's like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you people. Now, the other thing is, what about the baby from the movie, right? Now, producer, let me set this up for you. We know the baby is a girl. We know that from the movie. So if you're looking for the baby, because the whole thing is the queen in this show is ruling over the land until they find this baby who's now grown, we presume. And she will be the empress. Right. So, you know, the queen is just there as a placeholder. You know, the baby's going to be in the show growing up. You know, she's going to be a teenager. Because of the timeline. And it's a she. So we have, if these are the characters they've given us, unless it's someone we haven't met, we have three possibilities. The princess, her knight-to-be girlfriend, or the kitchen maid. Who do you think it is, producer? Who do you think they would choose? <laughs> the kitchen maid. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying anything. I was just like, is this a reveal? <laughs> But it's a fantasy <laughs> miracle, according to some, not all, according to some. Can't believe it's so much fun watching this. <laughs> so this is still a genre pastiche. I think for the comedy stuff, there are two options for me. You either do like uh, the Princess Bride itself, where the Princess Bride, Bride, sorry, conceptually is a comedy. The whole structure is comedic. So it makes sense. They're making fun of the genre itself. It is beautifully done on that count. So I'm never unclear. I'm not going, wait, are they serious here? Am I supposed to be laughing? Oh, is that a joke? <laughs> or you could do what Merlin did, the TV show, after the first season. First season of Merlin is like cute. Second one, what I did like is if it's a comedic episode, it's a comedic episode. 
if it's a serious episode, it's a serious episode. So you were always clear episode to episode. So they could play around with the tone, but they were never doing multiple things in one episode where I was like, what am I watching? Now, when it comes to Warwick as Willow, it was nice to see him again in the role. He seems more at ease with it as long as the dialogue doesn't get in his way. Because some of that stuff in the second episode, I was like, who wrote that? So why watch this? I think if you didn't mind Rings of Power and you like this movie and you're perhaps not an 80s baby on top of it. So maybe you saw the movie after it was released. You might like this. Now, if you are a fan of the movie and you are an 80s baby, would you like this? It depends. You'd have to watch it to find out. Um, So far to me, (laughs) that's my opinion. (laughs) It's whatever. You know, the jaw-dropping visuals. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. Did you see Willow producer the movie? I did, but I don't remember. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember it enough to have a real point of reference, but I do remember liking it when I saw it as a kid. That's what I do remember, but specifics, no. Yeah. And even here, you're like, who is this for? Like, I was thinking, because it is TV 14, is the rating of it. Mm -hmm. That's probably around the age. You like tweens. I don't even know if you get too old in teens how they're going to receive it, to be honest. Because it's not strong enough. If you are going to add an inclusive stuff to Willow, why are we doing this? It's already inclusive. But if you're going to add more to it, add. And see, this is where you get all of these uh, controversies in the culture that we don't talk about unless it's on the screen. I keep trying to tell these creators, just tell a good story. That is your support. I don't care who's in it. I keep saying that. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's it's good to know that you did see Willow. The <laughs> movie. <laughs> and Billy Barty is in there. It was nice to see him again. You know, because he was in Masters of the Universe as Gwildor. I always come back to this because they wanted to give that man a Razzie. What what was he supposed to do? I, every time <laughs> I'm thinking about that, the whole it's a ridiculous movie. But see, I see Willow the movie is more like that, where this TV show is trying to do multiple things. I'm done talking about this. What's next? Keep All saying right. the same thing. Well, I think it might be a good time for a coffee break. What does a coffee break look like here while I watch that? It is when we let you know that we are on buymeacoffee.com. What is Buy Me A Coffee? It is a platform where you can show your support for why watch that. Um, why watch that.com forward slash no, buymeacoffee.com forward slash why I watch that is how you popped can. up on the screen for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> how you can donate as little as five dollars or purchase our TV, our TV tracking guide to show your support for our show. In addition, likes, comments, subscribes, and shares are also a way that you can show your support for the work that we do here at Why Watch That buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that or any of those other four ways to support our show. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Next up, we have TV season finales and um, Magpie Murders is on this list already brought to us by PBS. So, Critic, how did this season end? 
Yeah. And these finales happen during the Thanksgiving break. So, you know, yeah, we're coming back to them now. Um, Magpie Murders. Remember this one producer where we had the whodunit inside of whodunit? Yes. Yes. So, yes, it has concluded. Um, now, it comes to us from the author of the book, Anthony Horowitz. And the thing is to me for this show, because, okay, you have Leslie Manville starring. She is an experienced book editor. She has um, this client who's hard to take, but he makes money. Played by Varys from um, Game of Thrones. So he's a nasty man, but his books sell. He ends up dead. Did someone kill him? And the problem is his final book is missing the final chapter. Now, if you don't have the final chapter of a whodunit, you can't do anything with it. Now, the, the bookshop she works at is being sold by the owner. And he's like, I want you to take over. But in order to sell it, they got to have the complete book. So she has to go investigate what happened to this chapter, the missing chapter. And she starts seeing that maybe there was foul play because in this book, every character is based on a real person. So in this town where he lived, there are all kinds of suspects. There's his son who's estranged. There's his now lover, boyfriend. What's going on with that? Because he's getting all the money. What about his sister? All kinds of people. There's some man who was in his writing class. There's even Leslie's character herself she comes to find because her sister was talking to him and the sister told him stuff he put in the book. So she's like, this is my family in the book. And she has this strained relationship with her own father who's having health problems as well. So all of these suspects. Now, in the book, we also have the detective there. It's the 1950s. He's trying to get down to something. There are all kinds of people in the town who could have done this murder? And fiction and reality collide. Because what happens is, the detective from the book, Poont, he starts bleeding in to Leslie Manville's character's mind. She sees him. She has dialogue with him. He may say, hey, what about this? What about that? Did you miss this? She also ends up in the book's world. I won't tell you how. By the end. So it's really... The what Anthony's doing here is having fun with the concept. And that's what I like the most about it. I like the structure of that whodunit in a whodunit. How does that work? And I thought he thought through it a lot. However, the final two episodes, it was kind of like they popped the balloon on it. I think four episodes would have been perfect. Six, it was just in the final two, I was kind of like, okay. And then you get the reveal, you're like, okay. It was clever in structure. But the payoff didn't live up to it, in my opinion. But I do think that it was well-polished. I think the acting was well done. And again, structurally, I enjoyed the writing. I just think it lost its magic toward the end. Yeah. All right. It's not horrible. No. So, <laughs> um, it's pretty solid. Um, all right. Next up is uh, Andor, which is um, Disney Plus. Excuse me, it's a, the prequel series based off of uh, Rogue One. So uh, how did that, how do you feel that season one of that ended, Critic? You know, producer, I'm kind of surprised that they let this be on Disney+. Plus. 
I'm surprised that no one has tinkered with it, messed with it. We'll see what happens in the second and final season to come, which is uh, already in production. Because even like The Mandalorian, you look at the first season, then you go to the second, you go, somebody messing with this. <laughs> like they go, okay, this is a success. Let's mess with it. So, like you said, it is a prequel of Rogue One, and the uh, main character is the titular character here, Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna. And what we see is how he became a spy. That's really what this is about. So he lives on his planet. He has a friend played by Adra Arjona. And she connects him with a guy who, like, is the not the face, but the mastermind of the resistance for the Empire. So he has all kinds of plots and agents and intrigue going across the galaxy. The Empire wants to know who this man is. And he's played by Stellan Skarsgård. So Cassian meets this man. This man says, hey, I have this operation for you because Cassian can fly any aircraft, essentially. Sight unseen, get in, get out. And that's what they need for this mission. So he's going to be added to a mission where the people who were already chosen have been training together for a while. Who's this outsider coming in? Do they trust him? Should they trust him? But they need somebody to fly that aircraft, baby. And Stellan's like to their leader, let me tell you something. He's in on this because I said so. And you're going to have to figure out how to talk to your team about it. Bye. <laughs> now, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, Stellan's character, of course, he has a cover. He is a part of the movers and shakers in the Empire. They don't know who this man is. And if you have seen the show, you know how that works. If you haven't, I won't spoil it. But he's also connected to a politician. So she is trying to help him out, right? And, you know, take down the Empire. She's in politics. She's being watched. So how can they communicate? You know, the man driving her around, she don't trust him. Mm-hmm. And she has a husband who seems to be oblivious to it all and a daughter. Now, this daughter is a teenager. Here we go again. A teenager. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> by the end of this season, she might want to rethink her attitude. What's <laughs> coming for her? I was like, Whoa. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Yeah. Wow. So we have this whole thing that Andor is involved in. How does this plot come about? Do they succeed? That's just half of the season, producer. This is when I was like, what is going on? The second half of the season, after this caper, I'm going to tell you how it ended. Cassian finds himself in prison. How did it get in prison? I'm not going to tell you. If you think it's because of the plot, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> He's in prison. So it's like a whole other show. And we get Andy Circus popping up because in the prison, essentially, it's a factory where they're building things for the Empire. 
And what has happened lately, because of all of this uh, shenanigans from the resistance, the Empire will give you a ridiculous sentence. Because Cassian was like, I didn't do anything. The woman was like, I don't know, like seven years or something. He was like, what? She was like, I'm sorry. This is how it is. <laughs> she was like, I get it, but seven years. <laughs> Stamp. And then he finds out when he gets in the prison, really, your sentence is endless. They don't let you out. Now, how does this affect Andy Serkis's character, who is really the leader of the section that Andor's in? So he's got to figure out how to get these things assembled on a team. You know, the fastest team wins, the slowest team, you get a problem. Andy Serkis is like, we're competing with all other sections. I'm not going to be, you know, the one losing. It's like a whole other show. And then in the end, of course, the Resistance and the Empire are going to meet. And the face of the Empire here, look, this woman is after these people. She don't care. She want to find them. She's going to crush them. But sometimes her head is over too far over her skis. And, you know, her boss is kind of like, Calm it down. Think it through. Remember where you are. Because she has sped up the ladder of success. She wants to keep going. Are there people in her way? And there is an interesting man who thinks he got Cassian. No one believed him. Did he? Now, because of his zealotry, he was demoted. But of course, he's going to meet up with her. How does that work? They had a very weird scene in the final episode. I was like, oh face-to-face, breathing on each other. I was like, oh my God, what is that about? Like, she was thrown off by him, which was interesting, because, you know, she's, like, knocking people around. No, she was kind of like, I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) And one of the great things was, after he's demoted, he, like, moves in with his mother, who's someone who's, like, poking and prodding him, saying, you you know, you got to succeed, she has connections. And that woman, I mean, it was some of the strangest stuff. Like, you know, she would pop up next to him off cam, you know, like. (laughs) And I mean, when I was like, of course, uh, we're going to have Catherine Hunter play this character. Catherine Hunter was the witches in uh, the tragedy of Macbeth, where Denzel was in that. She was all of the witches. Like, this is the kind of of thing I'm talking about. Mm. So there we go. I'm not going to tell you more than that. You know, in the end, what's pretty much going to be set up moving into the second season. But here's an interesting wrinkle, and then I'll move into my full review. Cassian is really in between the Resistance and the Empire. And that's what's really happening here as a comment. It's not only about the birth of a spy, as I said at the start of this review. If you contrast that with the Mandalorian, that's a Western with a baby and it's kind of family entertainment. This is not family entertainment. It's a spy show. But what they have going for it, the major theme that's driving it is it's all about the might and the limitations of bureaucracy, of politics and resistance. Nobody here is perfect. It's all messy. And Cassian's right in the middle. And that's where he is at the end of this first season caught in the middle who can he trust is he trusted and so on you know because there's this whole thing that goes on with his mother played by fiona shaw i mean they have a great cast uh and you'll see what happens with that so 
they essentially try to smoke him out because the Empire wants him. So does the Resistance by the end with his mother. I won't tell you how. So I just thought that for them to really pull off two shows in one is a feat. For them to um, honor Rogue One, which is one of my favorite Star Wars movie, was a feat. I think that all of the acting was good. I think that for almost all of it, I was very interested in what was going on. They had forward momentum that was appropriately paced for a spy show. Uh, toward the end, did it stick the landing exactly the way I wanted it to? No, but it did a great job of setting up the second season. So far at this time in television, this has been my favorite show. I think there have been a lot of weak tea shows lately on TV. I've been talking to people, people about this too. People have been telling me, I don't know what to watch. Like what, what is there? It's not a lot of inventory. You know, we, we have the fantasy stuff that I just am bored by. I'm bored by House of Dragon. I'm bored by Rings of Power. I'm bored by Willow. Bored. Just bored. It's not even that they're bad. It's just... So Andor, to me, has been a bright spot. I would call it a very good show. Yeah. All right. Now, why watch it if you like Rogue One? <laughs> That's what I would say if you like Rogue One. It's very easy. If you don't like any of the Star Wars stuff, I don't know how it would play. I think you'd kind of get it. Because the one thing I do want to say, producer, and then we'll be done. The way that they set up Resistance versus Empire is clear on the screen. Like, there was a, a scene toward the end of the season for the Empire where they think they're on the hunt. And the just the blocking of it, people in and out of the room, it was very precise. Like, all of the Empire people you know. It's precise in movement, precise in posture, precise in, in, in language. Like, they just created a world here. Even though Star Wars is a world itself. They created a world of the show that I really liked. And I think for some people, it would work even if you don't like Star Wars. It depends. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to round this episode out with a TV sneak peek brought to us by Apple TV Plus. It is called uh, Slow Horses. Now we're actually going into season two of this show um, and it premieres on Friday, December the 2nd. So critic, how did uh, season two of Slow Horses kick off? Yeah. And uh, keep in mind, they're renewed through season four. So there will be at least two more seasons. Yeah. And I think Gary Oldman, who's the star of the show, was saying after this is done, he's going to retire from acting. We'll see. I hope not. We'll see. So this comes to us from, well, it's based on Mick Herron's uh, series of novels. So that's there. Um, and it is written by a whole bunch of different people. And it stars, again, Gary Oldman. We have Jack Loudon in here as well. Uh, you know Jack Loudon if you saw, um, like, Dunkirk. He was in that and some other stuff. He was in Mary, Queen of Scots, that disaster. He was in that movie. Um, okay. uh, Kristen Scott Thomas is in here as well. And we have a bunch of, of other actors as well. So what happens is we are dealing with the MI5 in England. And the slow horses essentially are the agents who have done something wrong. 
Okay, like they've gone to HR. HR has sent them to Slough House. That's what they call it. And Gary Oldman is the boss of Slough House. Jackson Lamb is his character's name. Now, he is a famous agent. Mm -hmm. So why is he managing Slough House? You know, we talked about this before, producer. You know, he he takes his shoes off and, you know, at work and he's a slob. He'll eat anything. You know, he's irreverent. You know, he has no respect for anybody that's in front of him. Is it all a front? You know, because he's like, why are you here? (laughs) If you're here, you're an idiot. So don't do too much because you're going to mess something up. If something's important, I'm going to take care of it. You just have a seat. Okay, and there's always like a newcomer that he pits against the rest of them, you know, so there's a newcomer this season. He's like, you know, well, she's like halfway good, you know, for the, you know, we'll see compared to the rest of you idiots. And he does this in particular to really poke and prod Jack's character, River Cartwright. Now, at the opening of uh, the show itself in season one, we see how he got in the slough house. He made a big old mistake. Essentially. He jumps the gun, but he comes from MI5 royalty. You know, his grandfather uh, was a major person. So why is he here? Why couldn't he be broken out of Slough House? And his grandfather's played by Jonathan Price. Okay, so in season two, this picks right up after season one. We know in Slough House, one of their agents has ended up dead, but he did leave some breadcrumbs. And Jackson is going to follow them. Now, did Jackson like this agent? No. (laughs) But he was his agent. Okay, so he's not going to let you just kill the man. Now, is the man worth anything? No. (laughs) Okay. He has no respect for anybody, even to death. It doesn't matter. So he's on the trail. Now, there are two other agents. They They are two pieces of work. And they are romantically involved now. And they have been... Uh, commandeered by somebody in, you know, the formal, appropriate MI5. Now, this person was in season one, and he had this rivalry with River. So he's trying to poach from Jackson's team. How does Jackson receive this? And these two, how are they going to help him exactly? Why would he want two people from Slough House? Mm -hmm. Why would he want two slow horses? Now, Jackson has another descriptor for horses for them as well. It starts with an S S as well. It ain't slow. It's some other kind of horses. Why would he want the two of them? What's going on with that? And this has something to do with Russia. Oh, no. So we know this is not going to be good. Also, this dead agent may be Russia's behind that as well. How are these things going to converge? And of course, River wants in on this. He's going to get down to the bottom of it. Okay, he's going undercover. He's going to try to figure this out. Or will he jump the gun again? Is the question. Now, you also have, of course, their tech expert who, you know, just likes to sit at the desk and complain. He's still there doing that. And they do have a new agent who comes in and he's kind of like, what's going on with all of you? Now, there's a reason he's there, but he's like, it's not because of incompetence. So I'm not like the rest of y'all. Like when Dennis Rodman was on, um, what was that? Uh, that show with Dr. Drew with the celebrities. 
something you remember addiction. That? I do. I can't remember the name Is of it. Is it like though. rehab, something like that? Celebrity rehab. Celebrity rehab, yes. When Dennis Rodman was there, he's like, uh, I like all of you. Yes, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> He's like, look, give me my vodka and cranberry. That's, I mean, I can control that. I'm not right. like the rest of you. I'm not forget that. They were all looking at him like. <laughs> so, uh, okay. You'll see what the plot is. And of course, Kristen Scott Thomas's character comes in. She's in charge of the second desk. So it's like, she's like the second highest person at MI5 or something like that. There is this politician who's back here and she's going to try to leverage him. Jackson's going to try to leverage her. Can you trust anybody? No. It's that kind of show. The thing about this show, the thing that makes me recommend it potentially is Gary Oldman. Irreverent, slobbish, insulting, but with an undercover purpose. Like Gary Oldman just, he just I, no one could do this better, okay? Like all of the all of the beats and everything and the thoughts are there. Like it's even something offhand where he's, you know, in the midst of interrogating somebody in their own office or wherever they are, and he like goes for some mints. It's like what is that in the script? And then you realize it is. <laughs> like it just seems offhanded. It just seems real, but no, it's in the script because you'll see how they use it later. It's that kind of thing. He's the reason to watch this. I like the first season better than the second. I thought the first season was more entertaining. I think the second season, they kind of lost a step. Um, the only reason to watch it to me in the second season was Gary. I wasn't that interested in what was happening with the Russians at all, to be honest. Um, I just think it was, they needed to be more busy, this kind of show like the first season was. So if you watch the first season, I would say start the second to see how you feel about it. It just isn't as spicy as season one to me. And at the end, some of the things that happened, I went, okay. Like we we're getting close to jumping the shark. Let's not be completely ridiculous. But there you go. Slow horses. All right. Well, they have two more seasons to... um get the busyness back. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. So guys, we have literally <laughs> talked TV that has come TV that has gone and TV that is soon to come back. Um, until next time. Thanks for joining us for up-to-date info and to share what's on your watch list. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at why watch that. And on Twitter at WWT radio. Also, you can visit us at whywatchthat.com. And while you're at it, don't forget to go ahead and rate Why Watch That Radio on iTunes. Let's keep the conversation going.